You are welcome to the teaching ministry of Nelson Ihiagwa. Be stirred as you listen. Okay, so right, let's just get into this. You know, I told you guys I was going to start on uh, a teaching about the nature of God. I said I was going to talk about the nature of God, and definitely this is something that is a very important topic because a lot of believers don't actually know who God is, right? A lot of believers don't actually know who God is. And it is a, this is a very important aspect of devotion. A lot of believers need to know who, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of believers need to know, uh, who is who, who they are worshiping, who they seek, who they revere, who it is that they honor. You see, I, I realized that a lot of people, and after, I think I, I was talking, having a conversation with someone and I told the person that it seems like the most taught topics in Christianity are the most misunderstood. So a lot of people talk about God every time and don't know who this God is. A lot of people talk about prayer and when you ask them to talk a little bit about prayer, they don't know what prayer is. They don't know what prayer does. They don't know why we pray. A lot of people, when you tell them, who is the Holy Spirit? What what exactly is the use of the Holy Spirit? They say different things because, you know, the Holy Ghost is something that, you know, there are many topics you hear. The Holy Spirit is a counsel of his days. But what exactly, what role does the Holy Ghost have to play in your salvation and all those things? People really don't usually know it, all right? People really don't usually know it, as important as these things are. Okay, so I just wanted to, I'm just going to give an introduction, and this is really going to be quick. I'm going to give an introduction from this, and um, let's see where we go from there. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Are you there? Matthew 24. I think I'm missing my verse, Jesus. Give me a bit. Sorry, Luke 24, my bad. Luke 24. Luke 24. Are you there? Luke 24. Look at what he says. He says, um, Luke 24, let me start from verse. Let me start from verse. For, I'm trying to see the best verse to start from so we can get this clearly. Let's start from verse 13. He said, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus. Luke 24 from verse 13. To a village called Emmaus which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. I think um, some theologians say that's about eight miles. It says, And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass, that's all the things, that's Jesus dying and all. It says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. 
Okay? Their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Look at verse 17. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these, that ye have one to another as ye walk, and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? 19. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all people. 20. It says, And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Now, you need to understand that who they were talking about was the Jesus that was walking with them. 21. It says, But we trusted him that it had, we trusted that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Okay. So what they are really saying is, they, they, you know, Israel was colonized by Rome, by the Roman army at this time. So what they really wanted was, um, they thought Jesus or the Messiah in prophecies was going to be the Messiah that would get them political freedom. You know, because he said he was going to come as a deliverer. He's going to deliver his people. But what exactly he was going to deliver his people from was not a political issue. What Jesus was going to deliver his people from was clearly a spiritual issue. And that is what's called sin. It's called sin. So the deliverance Jesus was to bring was not to bring... I mean, if Jesus was sent to Nigeria... In the early 1950s, you know, the plan of Jesus, people would have thought that Jesus was coming to save Nigeria from Britain. But no, he was not coming to save Nigeria from Britain. He was coming to save Nigerians from their sin, that anyone who believes in him will have eternal, everlasting life. Okay, so 19. He says, and what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word, before God and all people, look at 20. It says, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. 21. Okay, I read all this. <laughs> 22. And certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the, sepul at the sepulchre, that's his burial place. 23. And when, they f and when they found not his body, they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Look at 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. So men even went to the, to the graveside, like the women said, and they found that what the women said were true. Look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken then look at this 26 it says ought not christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory then look at 27 it says and beginning at moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself so first of all a few things to notice jesus did not say um, o fools and slow of heart, you know, like my pastor says, Jesus did not say, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that I have spoken. He said, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the what? 
prophets have spoken. Do you see that? He said, no fools and slovats to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So even while Jesus was with them and Jesus had told them I was going to die and raise again. I mean, you know, when Jesus was telling them that um, this temple will be broken down and then in three days I will build it up again. And in that he talked, he spoke of his resurrection again, his death and his resurrection again and again. You know, when he talked about that, he will be glorified. He spoke about it again many times. But this is what Jesus said. He said, Oh, not Christ, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. He said, To believe all that the prophets. So the prophets actually spoke of the crucifixion of Jesus. You know, when Isaiah was prophesying that Jesus was going to die and was going to be raised, at that point, crucifixion was not even a method that was known to man at that time. It was a Roman method of severe punishment and death. But it was not even known at that time. But Isaiah prophesied about it that he will be hung on a tree. Okay. He says, um, so Jesus now went back to the scriptures and began to prophesy to them about the things that he had said from the scriptures. Now, why didn't he just say, oh, um, I am Jesus. Did I not tell you this? It's because, you know, like um, spiritual father Pastor Aaron says, he says, Jesus wants to be known first by the word rather than experiences. I say that Jesus wants to be known first by the word rather than experiences. The primary place to know who Jesus is, is by what the word says and what the word teaches. Not necessarily by, um, 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 not necessarily by what uh, experiences are telling you or what situations are telling you. Because the truth is, many times we we interpret our experiences in the light of our knowledge so even situations and circumstances that are not god we can be trained to see it as oh god is using this situation to train me on a particular matter you know god is using this circumstance to train me on a particular issue and that is not true all right that is not true so experiences cannot clearly show you who god is situations cannot clearly show you who god is it is only the word of god that can clearly actually reveal you know jesus clearly seen from the word is from the word that we can only see that oh this is who jesus is because the clearest picture we get from him is from the word praise the name of jesus praise the name of jesus the clearest picture to see of him is from the word. And that is why Jesus even went back to scriptures and went back to what was said about him. He went back to the things that were said about him to explain to them and say, hey, this is who I am. Are you getting me so far? Are you getting me so far? Look at James chapter 1. James 1. Are you there? Okay. So look at verse 16. He said, Do not err, my beloved brethren. You see, verse 16 is very instructional. Because what he's saying is, Don't make mistakes on this. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the mark on this particular thing I'm telling you about. And that's why he said, do not err. 
do not err. So he said, don't miss the mark on this particular one. So he said, do not err, my beloved brethren. You go to 17. And he said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Do you see that? He said, do not err. Meaning, don't make mistakes about what I'm about to say now. And then he now went to say, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So, with God is only good. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. With God is only good. With God is excellent. With God is useful. With God is that which is worthy of saluting. With God is that which is pleasant. You know when they say God is good all the time and all the time God is good, it is not a church greeting. It is not a church rhetoric. It is fact that this is who our God is. He is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. That is who he is. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Do you see that? He said, um, he said, but verse uh, 17, he said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and coming down from the father of lights in whom is no variableness, no shadow of turning. You see, um, the word father of light is actually an allusion to God being like the sun, right? So when the sun rises high up, there's actually no darkness in the sun. The parts on the, the when the earth is dark is because that part of the earth is far away from the sun. That part of the earth is far away from the sun. So because that part of the earth is far away from the sun, there is something or there is such a thing called night. Do you see that? Because that part of the earth is far away from the sun, there is such a thing called what? Night. So, that father of light is an allusion to the sun. And that's why it says there is no shadow of turning. So, you see, um, when the sun is lifted very high, and then we see a shadow, it's not because the sun is a... Sh it's not because the sun is causing that shadow is because something is standing in the path of light so when there is a shadow that or when there is a shadow or when there is darkness that is cast upon the person of god it is because there is an understanding of god we have not come to see clearly can i say that again when there is a shadow that is cast on one part right when there is a shadow that is cast on one part it is because there is a, there is darkness, right? There is darkness that we have not come to see. There is, there is darkness that because something is standing in the path of light. So God is the father of light. In God, there is no darkness. Just like how God is good and all he does is good, in him there is no bad. Praise the name of Jesus. God is good. In him is always good. And in him is no bad. God never does bad. God never does bad. In God there is no bad. In God there is no darkness. In God there is no evil. God is good. 
James basically tells us this. He says, God is good. And I'm going to, I'm just going to share a few things now. Go, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Are you there? Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Okay, so it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto our fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us in his son. You know, um, that translation can actually be better put as in his son. So, basically, what this means is, in the, okay, let's read on. Who hath, who he had appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. Look at verse 3. It says, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person. So, God is, um, God being the bright, Jesus rather, being the brightness of God's glory. It means that he's the effulgence of God. When you see the bright, when you see him, you are seeing the brightness of God's glory. You are seeing the express image. You are seeing the perfect revelation of the Father. And he's upholding all things by the power of his word. So Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Jesus is the express image of God's person. So when you see Jesus, you are seeing God of two feet. When you see Jesus, whatever Jesus did is the mind of God. Whatever Jesus did was the will of God. Whatever Jesus did was the plan of God. Jesus was the perfect expression of the father on two feet. You see, when you looked at Jesus and the things that he did, and you look at the good, you know, when you look at Jesus healing the sick, you cannot see Jesus healing the sick and be convinced that God caused sickness. Because it will be, it will be against the nature of God that in him is light and in him is also darkness. How can in him be healing and in him be sickness? It does not make sense. You know, so when people also say that, oh, um, um, Anyways, I don't want to say something I, I will not have time to defend. So we'll continue it in our next teaching. Okay? So a lot of people have had different interpretations of God. But hold on to this verse that Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God and the express image of the person of the Father. Okay? Jesus is the glory of God and the express image of the person of the Father. Let me show you one. Go to um, Matthew. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Ah, should we use Matthew? No. Um, let's use... Uh, sorry, hold on. Go to Matthew. Still hold on Matthew. Um, sorry about that. Okay. Okay. Um, I think my network is messing up. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me now? Can you guys hear me now? 
Okay. Let's do Luke rather. Go to Luke chapter 5. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 5. Verse 1. This is Jesus speaking now. He says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed on upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesareth and saw two sheep standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the sheeps, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the sheep. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. You see that? He said, launch out into the deep. You know, after he borrowed Peter's boat to teach, and he told Peter, okay, go, and he, you know, um, used Peter's boat. He said, launch out into the deep. And Peter answered and said, Master, we have told all night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And when they had, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto them, unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came back and they filled both ships, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. Look at them. And so was also James and John and blah, blah, blah. And Simon and Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You see, a lot of people begin to say things like, um, when God wants to call you, I'm using this to explain something. When God wants to call you, if you refuse to answer the call of God, God will cause the things around you to fail. God will cause the things around you to fail so that you can, you can listen to him, so that you can obey him. That's not true. God does not do that. God will not cause the things around you to fail. If anything, this story teaches us that before Jesus called Peter, as a matter of fact, he made his business to boom so much that it was a lesson to him that, I mean, it was a lesson to him that, hey, if I can make you catch this much fish with my word, then it should be nothing for you because you are going to catch men. Do you see that? It will be nothing for you because you are going to catch men. Fish is nothing for me. Let me explain this miracle. You see, they were at a lake. A lake is what a body of water surrounded by a piece of land. So it is either, and they were at the shore. They were not far from the um, from the same shore. They were not far from the shore. So it is either all the fish in that lake swam to that place or now bear in mind that they are told all night in that place. Either all the fish swam to that place or as Jesus spoke the word or as Jesus spoke the word, fishes began to be created in that spot. It had to be one of those two. Okay? So Jesus did that and Peter saw the goodness of God so much so that he knew that, ah, I'm not deserving of this. I'm a sinful man. That Jesus came and Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, follow me and you, you follow me and you fish men. If at my word you can catch this, if you follow me, fish is too small. Why? Because it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. 
do you see that? It is not the judgment and the fiery indignation of God that makes men to repent. It is the goodness of God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can I say that one more time? It is the what? The goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. Can I say that again? It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Let me say that one more time. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. That is why it is the preaching of the gospel, making men understand what Jesus has done, making men understand what, um, 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 making men understand what, what Christ had done on the cross, what men have seen of this Jesus. Making men understand this, that is what gets men saved. It is not the fiery indignation of hell and sin and all those things. It is the goodness of God. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. It is the goodness of God that leadeth men unto repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads men unto repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads men unto you. It is because Peter saw this that he realized that, ah, this one, is a, he's too good for me. And then he came back and he said, Master, I'm here to serve. God is good. God does good. In him is no darkness at all. I'm going to end tonight's teaching here. Next week, you know, I'll just continue on, you know, how Jesus is the image of the Father. And then I'll pick on all those verses, Sodom and Gomorrah, all those deadly, wicked parts of scripture that God rained down fire and brimstone. And I'm going to really explain it. And this is just a summary. When we read it, we'll find out it was not wickedness. It was actually justice. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more ministry content, visit niministries.org. God bless you.